You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Jeffrey Bingham. Uh, Dr. Bingham uh, came most recently to Southwestern Seminary uh, to take on the task of being the dean of the School of Theology, and uh, this past year, our trustees uh, asked him to serve as the interim president, uh, and so he's busy doing that right now, uh, but he is at heart, first and foremost, a teacher and a patristic scholar. He currently serves as the immediate past president of the North American Patristic Society, and today uh, we want to invite him to talk to us about patristic preaching. So, Dr. Bingham, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you, Dr. McCarty. I'm really happy to be here. First of all, uh, what is important for the average preacher to know about the earliest Christian preachers and thinkers, and, and especially how they uh, approached theology and their preaching? So theology was largely uh, the purpose of early Christian preaching because of the uh, uh, the number of heretics that were having uh, to be faced and uh, responded to. And so much early Christian preaching was based on preparing uh, Christians, many of who were on their way to baptism or who had just been baptized, uh, preparing these Christians in order to face a world in which their faith was going to be challenged daily uh, by heretics that had become very popular in the uh, in the centers of the major cities of the Mediterranean world. Hmm. What, uh, what are the key similarities and differences between patristic preaching and what we would think of as modern preaching? Well, I think uh, one thing is that most uh, of the homilies uh, uh, in some of the early periods might have been a bit shorter than many of our sermons today. However, uh, they, uh, there were uh, occasions which sermons were really quite long. Um, the, uh, the issue here was to, uh, in the same way in which we try to do today, to expound the meaning of the biblical text for spiritual formation, uh, for uh, grounding and education in Christian ethics and commitments, uh, and in motivating uh, the believer uh, to live in a way which was uh, consistent with the gospel message, as well as to reach uh, the unbeliever. So in terms of the interests of preaching, um, the interests have been uh, pretty uh, steady throughout the Christian ages. Hmm. Uh, you know, from your, your description of the, the kind of uh, listeners that the early patristic preachers were addressing and preparing people with a grasp of, of the faith and their interactions with the outside world, it sounds like apologetics might be important in patristic preaching. Is that so? And, and what was the relationship between apologetics and preaching? Well, apologetics in the early church uh, looked uh, very much uh, like simply explaining to a believer what he or she uh, was to believe as a member of the community. So I think we have to contrast what often passes for modern apologetics today uh, and that which passed for apologetics in early Christianity. The ancient apologists uh, were not necessarily reasoned uh, 
Uh, we're not necessarily interested in providing an argument of reason that would uh, argue, say, for the existence of God. Uh, what, they, uh, what they did in their apologies was essentially explain who Christians were, what Christians believed, and how Christians behaved. Because the major interest in apologetics in early Christianity was uh, getting permission to live within the empire uh, without being persecuted. Uh, because there were so many false accusations being made against Christians. Sometimes they were accused of being cannibals. Sometimes they were accused of, of, uh, uh, of uh, incest. Sometimes they were accused of being uh, irreligious people, uh, people that were unspiritual because they were monotheist and only believed in one God in an empire that believed in many. So apologetics in the early church looked much different than it does uh, today in a modern, uh, rational uh, understanding. Are there some ways in which we've come full circle, though, and, and perhaps those same aims of apologetics might be needed in the contemporary world? Definitely, because uh, the 21st century uh, is looking more and more like a uh, culture that is hostile to Christianity in the same way in which uh, the culture in the second century was hostile to Christianity. Who are some of the leading figures of the patristic period, and, and how would their preaching be characteristic of, of that time? Yeah, so um, when we think of ancient Christian commentaries, commentaries that uh, we have from early Christianity, particularly in the fourth and fifth centuries, some in the third as well, uh, we're actually thinking of collections of sermons. The first Christian commentaries, by and large, uh, were collections of sermons that uh, the assistants of the pastors had written down uh, and uh, that had then been collected uh, into a book which served the community then as a commentary. And uh, we're thinking of individuals like uh, Origen. Uh, we're thinking of individuals like uh, John Chrysostom, uh, Augustine, uh, and uh, you know we could go on into uh, uh, into speaking of others, but those would be three names that I think would resonate with most of our listeners. Are are there core convictions of of the leaders and preachers of this period that that you think uh, we might have missed in modern times that that ought to be reclaimed? I don't know if we've missed them. Uh, the emphasis uh, might uh, be quite different. So the, uh, uh, the ancient uh, Christian preachers, as they preached through a biblical text, were very interested uh, in providing uh, pastoral interpretations of the biblical text, uh, which would be useful for the average Christian's faith and average Christian's behavior. Some of the ways in which they interpreted text might differ uh, from, uh, from what uh, modern uh, uh, homiletics might look like, but uh, there is a, a stronger theological uh, basis, a stronger theological core uh, that is present in much of early uh, Christian uh, preaching because what the believer believed was just fundamental to a believer's identity. I think there was probably more theological preaching 
expositional, yes, but even when it was expositional, a strong theological interest. Um, usually in, in the field of preaching, when we think about allegory in the early church, it, it's often seen in a negative light that you, you don't want to allegorize a text. But how did these early teachers of Scripture understand allegory, and, and how did that influence their interpretation and proclamation of Scripture? I think we have to understand all uh, the, uh, the degree to which early Christians had a Christological uh, interest. They, uh, they wanted to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, of course, Christianity begins uh, from, uh, from the Old uh, Testament, uh, from the uh, Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And so as the, uh, as the New Testament documents are being collected into a canon, while still some of them are being written early, early uh, in the days of Christianity, the only text which, uh, which Christians had uh, was the text which Jesus uh, preached from, uh, the text which he uh, passes on to his disciples and declares that this Old Testament text speaks of me and then runs through how it does that. So Christian preaching begins uh, by being Christian preaching of the Old Testament. And when you've only got the Old Testament, uh, Christian preaching looks like, well, I've got to find Christ in the Old Testament. I've got to find principles for uh, church structure in the Old Testament. I've got to find principles for the, uh, for the ordinances and the celebration of the ordinances in the Old Testament. I've got to find Christian ethics in the Old Testament. And so uh, the ground for what we call, quote-unquote, allegory is simply the Christian necessity of finding Christian principles and Christian theology in a text which was originally written for the Jews. Uh, as the New Testament uh, is written and comes together and is collected along with the Old Testament, there is still this profound Christian interest in Christ they want to glorify Christ, and that means that they want to be sensitive to seeing Christ uh, throughout the Scripture, not only in the New, as the apostles are speaking about Christ, but also in the Old, as the prophets and, uh, uh, and uh, Moses the lawgiver is speaking about Christ. So it is this profound interest in finding Christ, this profound uh, devotion uh, to Christ, that causes them to see Christ uh, in a variety of places in the Old Testament. One of the, the large, one of the great ideas of, of the, the early Christians was the, the idea of the rule of faith. What, what exactly is the rule of faith and how does that relate to preaching? The rule of faith is what uh, is very similar to a, a, a doctrinal standard. It is something that uh, in the early church, believers would have learned prior to baptism. There would have been an extensive period of what we call catechesis. Uh, the believer undergoing catechesis would have been called a catechumen. Uh, and uh, the instruction that they were going through would have been called catechetical instruction. It all preceded baptism and could last for extensive periods of time. Uh, because uh, education into Christian belief, education into Christian ethical commitments was necessary as, uh, as 
all believers were coming out of a paganism. Yesterday they believed that there were uh, 120 gods and believed that you had to sacrifice to them at the temple. Uh, and today uh, they're asking to be part of the Christian community. Well, um, before, you, uh, before you baptize them and make them a member of your community, you need to make sure that they have uh, rejected certain uh, false beliefs. And so this pre-baptismal period of catechesis uh, was, uh, was necessary. The rule of faith were, was the Christian standard of doctrine that would have been passed on uh, to these Christians either before they were baptized or in some cases after, soon after uh, they were baptized, but mostly before. And so it, uh, I, you know, I would compare ancient rules of faith, and there were several expressions of them, uh, most of them in a Trinitarian form, beginning with God the Father and then moving to the Holy Spirit and then to the Son and connecting key doctrines to each of the persons of the Trinity. And so it would be a Trinitarian outflowing of doctrinal instruction. I would compare the various forms of the rule of faith that we find in early Christianity to what I would, what I would call my rule of faith, which is the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. This is the summary of biblical teaching that I employ uh, as, uh, as the standard of interpretation of the Scriptures. I, uh, I, do, not in, I do not feel free uh, to interpret the Scriptures in a way which is contradictory to the BFNM 2000. And so I think this is how a rule of faith functioned. Dr. Bingham, what resources would you recommend to our listeners who uh, would like to study more about uh, the patristic period? Yeah, I would, I would recommend that pastors get in the habit uh, when they are preparing their sermons uh, to checking uh, what the early Christians may have said about a particular biblical passage that they're working on. So, you know, when they're putting the final touches on Saturday night and they may need just one more piece to make the, the whole pie perfect, uh, you know, I would, I would recommend that they begin collecting and, uh, and uh, reading a wonderful uh, set that has been uh, published by uh, InterVarsity Press called The Ancient Christian Commentaries. And what it has attempted to do is to go back and to publish in very accessible form with up-to-date English translations and with uh, snippets of the most interesting uh, portions of the uh, of the father's uh, uh, homilies and sermons, um, they've put it into various volumes. So you buy a volume, for instance, on uh, the Gospel of Mark or First Corinthians or Isaiah. Uh, our own uh, uh, Dr. Craig Blazing has uh, has put one of the volumes together on Psalms uh, one through fifty, and so this is a marvelous way to get into what the fathers. Uh, homilies would have sounded like, and to uh, and to polish off one of your own. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Jeffrey Bingham, a patristic scholar and our interim president at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, Dr. Bingham, thank you for being with us. It's been my joy. Thank you.